0: From 99.9 The Fan. This is the Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at capitalfinancialusa.com.
1: If the three of us were the Shield, who'd be who? I'm definitely Roman. I'm Roman. No, I'm Seth Rollins. No, I'm Seth Rollins. Who would I be? You're you're Roman. I'm Seth Rollins, and uh, Graham is 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 Moxley. He's not crazy enough to be. He's Moxley. Dean Ambrose. I don't know, he's not crazy enough to do it. But you know, I think I think he's more I think that's him. I think that's more so him. Wait, would I be Reigns, really? Yeah. Why?
0: The beard. Oh, well, I mean, come on, Dennis. If I you mean, don't want to be like Roman, Roman Rollins, Reigns, Seth- you don't have to be Roman Seth Reigns.
1: Seth Rollins also had a beard. Oh, uh, that's true. And I can't grow a beard. And you (laughs) can. They all have beards. I don't know. (laughs) Dean Ambrose slash John Moxley
2: didn't, so I don't know. Well, I
1: mean, he does. He didn't then, but he has a a full beard. That's what he does now.
2: He does now, but it's a little different.
1: So we're talking about the uh, about pro wrestling uh, right now. R.I.P. Iron Sheik. The Iron Sheik. uh, He died. We found that out today. And actually, uh, we were doing an interview with WWE superstar Carl Anderson. Uh, who will be here for SmackDown uh, in July. And we were able to break the news to him. You will hear his reaction live to that later on this hour of the show. 445. But we wanted to uh, talk about the deaths of pro wrestlers that impacted us, right? And, mm-hmm. and it feels like um, news of, of a pro wrestler dying is something that happens pretty often, especially um, in the mid-2000s time. So our four of a kind this, this today is going to be about the the – Pro wrestling deaths that impacted us the most, and I'll start off with this. Chris Benoit. Oh wow! Okay, you're coming in hot, coming in, coming in hard. Chris Benoit was legit one of my favorite wrestlers. He was, yeah, likewise. He he was so good, and you know his name was Chris. My name is Chris, right? And he also is a is a smaller guy as far as his height is concerned. Only five ten. I knew that I wasn't going to be as tall, and so he was somebody I looked to, and I'm like. I can do that. If I want to be a pro wrestler, I can do that. I was able to sink my teeth into that, right? Yeah. And because I, I wasn't going to be a high flyer. I wasn't going to be a flippy guy. I can do that. And to hear, one, that Chris Benoit died, but two, how it happened. Yeah. Where he allegedly, story goes, killed his son and his wife before he killed himself. Mm-hmm. And. hmm all of the deterioration of his brain and his health beforehand and the issues that he was going through, that was something that really hit me. Like, I didn't think I'd actually cry over somebody else who I didn't know, and I didn't full-on cry, but a, def- a couple tears hit my eye when I found out when Crispin why died.
2: Oh, I'm with you on that one. I'm with you on that one. First one for me, Mr. Perfect, Kurt yeah. Hennig. Yeah. Mr. Perfect Kurt Hennig. Gone too soon. One of the one of the very, actually, the very first pro wrestling show I ever went to, Ric Flair wrestled Kurt Hennig. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it was I 19- know. 1997, one. if I remember correctly. 96 or 97? 97. It was 97. It was at University Hall, U Hall, at, at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville. It was just a WCW house show. But main event or one of the I guess, main event Rick Flair
1: Kurt Hennig. You know what I was hoping for for him? Mr. Perfect. He had that brief return to WWE before yeah. he died and I was really hoping that maybe he'd be able to have an actual world championship run. You know, like yeah, he he would a sur- short one, but yeah. If, if he would have survived uh being around with after, you know, The Rock and Stone Cold and and you know all all those guys left, that would have been a great run for him in the mid 2000s. Second one on my list. Eddie Guerrero, mm.
2: Eddie Guerrero, the second one on my list, because that was a sudden thing that happened yeah. right before the passing of ben wall, Actually, yeah. so right in that same time frame, and just the mm. the reactions and everything that came out right after that was a big one. Speaking
1: of sudden, um, Owen Hart. Yeah, I rem- died in the ring. I remember wanting to get that pay per view, and my parents said no mm-hmm. ahead of time. And That was, what, 98? 97, 98, something like that. Yeah. 90, maybe 90, 98, I believe. Yep. I was in middle school, and I remember going to school the next day, talking to a friend of mine who I knew was watching the pay-per-view. Like, hey, what happened? They're like, you didn't hear? hear? Like, no, what happened? I'm thinking he's going to tell me a title change. Owen Hart died. What are you talking <laughs> about? Like, what, are you talking what, are you talking what are you talking about? about? No, 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 like, he was coming down from the rafters, and, and it broke, and he died in the ring. Like, wait, what? Did, did they continue? Like, what? What? Mm-hmm. And that is one of the more tragic ways to lose your life. But somebody who loved wrestling so much, and and also, talk about a, 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 a world championship run. I mean, he was due for that as well. Oh, yeah. He could have been one of the biggest stars in wrestling if he stuck around a couple more years. Mm -hmm. Um, Never had that. And, man, Owen Hart, amazing wrestler. Tragic way he died. uh, Died in the ring doing the same thing that he loved doing. And then also, the ultimate warrior. He basically gave his own eulogy on Raw, uh, what, like the day before? A day or, or two or days either before. either the week before or whatever it was. Like, it was. It was literally that week. It was literally within that same week, and he spoke, and, you know, uh, it was after being recognized at WrestleMania, being put in the uh, Hall of Fame, uh, had this amazing – I used to love the Ultimate Warrior. I used to run around and, you know, try to paint my face and, you know, tie shoestrings around my arms and stuff yeah. like that and shake ropes and everything. And then for the Ultimate Warrior to come out, thank WWE, had, basically give his own eulogy, and then just the next day just – Drops dead in the parking lot. His heart stopped working. Yeah, it's crazy. Another one for me, the Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah, yeah man,
2: I love the Macho yeah. Man. Another, another tragic accident as well. Actually, had a, I think, remember correctly, had a heart attack while he was driving. Yes, had a car accident. It was the collision of the impact of the of the accident that killed him. Uh, so, Macho Man Randy Savage is up there for me. My final one, my number one here, my four of a kind, again, pro wrestler deaths that really impacted us the most, Scott Hall. Razor Ramon himself, Scott Hall, the bad guy. Yeah, I was a huge Scott Hall fan. Yeah. My dad, when he was younger, looked like Scott Hall if Scott Hall was 5'11.
1: <laughs> That's what my dad <laughs> you looked know, like. I can see that. Yeah, you've can actually see after my meeting, dad for the first time. Your dad, I can see that. I mean, the bad guy. Hey, yo. Survey says, one more for the good guys. Never had a chance to really have a conversation with Scott Hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen him at a, at a wrestling event I was on, I, I wrestled on one time. Uh, but I did get a chance to share a locker room with his son, Cody Hall, actually close by here in Clayton at a wrestling show that I was on, uh, probably, probably 2015 or 16. Um, my last one flying Brian Pillman. Oh man. Speaking of another guy that I looked to who was on the smaller end and I I looked at him like, I can do that. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm a wrestler, I'm going to be a smaller guy. I can do that. Flying Brian Pillman, uh, even before, like before he was a part of the Hollywood Blonds, I loved what he did. Yeah. I loved his tights. I loved, you know, just the the Bengals look. And then he got with, with Steve Austin. They were the, they were the uh, Hollywood Blondes. and I just loved his heel work then. And then uh, goes to WWE. It's with the Heart Foundation. Did some good work with that. And uh, I, he's just another guy just gone too soon. Like he always ask, "What if, if Flying Brian had never been taking pills?" Yeah will we be talking about somebody who had a nice world championship run along with Owen Hart, who he was basically teaming with. So that would have been mm-hmm. interesting to see. Um, we're talking about this pro wrestler deaths that impacted us the most in Four of a Kind because we found out that the Iron Sheik yeah. uh, lost his life uh, and he is age gone at the age of 81. Um, very interesting because Iron Sheik is the first heel that I remember hating.
2: Yeah, first. Going against
1: Hulk Hogan. For those who don't know, the term heel in professional wrestling is the bad guy. is the bad guy, and he was going against Hulk Hogan, the first babyface I began loving. Who's the babyface? Is the good guy, and it's interesting because in life there was a legit double turn. Oh yeah. Because now I don't like Hulk Hogan. Why? Because he likes to call people uh, black people the N word oh. uh, when he's being secretly taped uh, doing things with his uh, friends' wives, and so. <laughs> That's one of the reasons I don't like Hulk Hogan. I used to love Hulk Hogan, and now I love Iron Sheik. What a crazy double turn. Like, if I would have told myself this at four years old that you would eventually not like Hulk Hogan and um, you would love the Iron Sheik, I would have said, ah, you're crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. It's amazing how,
2: again, not just a wrestling legend, but a pop culture icon, someone that popped up. in in the pop culture zeitgeist throughout time. The Iron Sheik. R.I.P. to the Iron Sheik. We'll hear that conversation with WWE superstar Carl Anderson at 445. A native North Carolinian. Someone who grew up in the state of North Carolina. Big wrestling event coming to PNC Arena on July 14th. That's SmackDown Live WWE event. Again, live on television. Live on Fox 50, which you can watch here locally as well. Yeah, it's in the bag.
1: Woof. For
0: Zion,
1: it's gonna be a dad. Let's just let's just get into it. Oh yeah, just like Oh yeah, hit it and quit it. Let's play the hit it and let's quit go music. Let's go full Zion. Let's hit it
2: and quit it. I Apparently, I don't know. The rumors floating around. You know, it's not a rumor. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of, Uh Twitter's a wonderful place. Twitter, man, Twitter's a wonderful place at times. Something that we know is
1: happening. Or has happened today, and because we're messy, we like mess. We like the drama. Speak for yourself. Um, we like the drama. You like the drama. Oh, I think you're talking about mess. We yes, it's messy. We like the mess. Okay. Sports gambling in the state of North Carolina.
2: <laughs> it went through the Senate last week. The Senate passed it through. They had a vote on it twice. The North Carolina House of representatives had a vote on it twice this week. They concur with the state Senate bill and their adjustments, so guess what? Sports betting is now on the desk of Governor Roy Cooper. He has 10 days to sign this into action and to make it law. 10 days. I want to talk about Zion, but yes, no, this is going to be oh. big.
1: It's going to we'll in, we'll we're, th- to we're going to get into Zion. Um, no, yes, sports gambling is going to be big for the state of North Carolina. It's going to be great economically. And uh, also, I mean, there's needs in the state, right? And there, there are things and holes that we could possibly fill in because of those needs. And hopefully the, the state is able to allocate those funds the way it needs to be allocated so that we can meet certain needs, paying teachers more, uh, updating some roads and some of infrastructure. We still have some old bridges that we're still using that were built in the 50s. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, things like those Things, along those things lines. like that need to be updated.
2: There are already allocations for some of those funds That in terms of what the state's going to generate in terms, again, this is a tax revenue for the state of North Carolina. And once Roy Cooper passes it, they have no later than 365 days until it starts. So we're looking at the latest mid-June next year if Roy Cooper signs it in terms of being able to legally place bets in the state of North Carolina. But by all accounts, the target date from the North Carolina Lottery Commission to get things started, again, they got to get licenses from these sports books and so forth. January 8th is the date. January 8th is the is the target date that we hopefully will have legalized sports betting in North Carolina. Again, that money is going to go to state universities and their athletic departments that are not ACC schools. Again, state universities. So basically, the, the schools who are not going to get money off of this are going to be UNC and NC State. But App State, East Carolina, UNC Wilmington, UNCG, UNCG UNC Pembroke, Fayetteville State, uh, all these, Winston-Salem State University, Elizabeth City State University, UNC Charlotte, App State, $300,000 a year in athletic departments because of sports betting. Plus, money's also going to be going to local municipalities as well in regards to upgrading facilities and athletics in, in regards to the county. So basically, a county can use that money to upgrade its local parks, you know, baseball fields and soccer fields and things along those lines. So again, this is going to be development or money going towards the development of athletics in each county as well. We done? Yeah. Okay. Let's let's qu- let's let's quit that. Let's let's hit this. Okay.
1: <coughs> can we talk about Zion yeah, Williams now? Yeah, we talk about <laughs> Zion Williams now. <laughs> Congratulations, Zion. Yes, he's uh, he's, he's having his uh, first child. He's, and that's father. great. That is amazing news. Uh, congratulations to him. He Looks like he's going to be a girl. And, uh, you know, I have two girls of my own. I absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. Now we got that out the way. <laughs> um, if you guys go to Twitter right now, oh, and, and I'm just, I'm not going to read this out loud because we're over FCC waves and we're not going to be able to do that. Because there's and things we can't repeat. There's things we cannot repeat. Uh, there is somebody by the name of Mariah Mills who's having a meltdown on Twitter currently who apparently Zion Williamson was also dealing with. And boy, is she putting out a lot of details about their lives right now.
2: And by dealing with, you mean
1: uh, having fun? Having fun. Okay. Uh, and she's showing screenshots and showing some other things of, of conversations with Zion. Apparently, Zion was supposed to move her to New Orleans. So they could have a life together. Oh. So she's been taken aback by this this news. Whoops. Uh, And there's other things, too, uh, that...
2: That we can't say
1: over the air. But Zion is a wild
0: boy, though. Apparently, allegedly. Boy, Zion. Again.
2: Boy. There, there is there's, there's, nothing, again, that we can say in terms of boy. we can't verify if any of this is true or not. Someone might just be saying stuff for the sake of saying stuff. That could be an
1: AI. It could be AI for all we know. But this lady says that the way he got back in shape was dealing with her on a nightly basis. I'll let oh. you fill on those blanks. Now, hamstrings Wolf. good. Oh, my goodness. Let's quit that. Because Zion quit it.
0: I hit it so good.
1: Let's hit this. Trey Parker. <laughs> how do we move on from that? Trey Parker, uh, who is a, an NC State commit, is reclassifying to me. the year of 2024. <laughs> he's supposed to come in this year. But what he's doing that's different from Simeon Wilcher from UNC, who mm-hmm. decided that he's not coming to UNC anymore is the fact that he's still committed to NC State. Yeah. He just wants to play another year, basically another prep year in high school. Is going to be at Overtime Elite, which is the academy down there in it's Georgia. It's like the equivalent of a post-grad season. Equivalent of, of a post-grad season for them. And for good reason. I mean, you know, NC State has a lot going on at the guard position. And, um, you know, it's just going to be a lot of people who will have to be uh, competing with for playing time. So... He's going to go back to overtime elite for next year, still be able to make his money uh, potentially with NIL, and things like that, and come into uh, NC State uh, next year uh, as a freshman.
2: So again, different than Simeon Wilcher, as you mentioned, Chris, Simeon Wilcher decommitting from North Carolina, telling him, hey, I'm not coming. I want out of my national letter of intent. That way he can go sign and play with somebody this upcoming season. As opposed to, like you said, Trey Parker just basically delaying his time getting to, to NC State because NC State does have guys like Breon Pass, Casey the uh, LJ Thomas coming back as well, but they also bringing in other guys like Michael O'Connell transfer from Stanford, MJ Rice transfer from from Kansas. DJ Horn, transfer from Arizona State. uh, Jaden Taylor, transfer from Butler. All guys that could play
1: in the backcourt. NC State's going to have those guards. Yeah. Like, they're going to have guards to throw at you next year.
2: That that they are. And that's also with guys like Mohamed Diara, center coming in. Ben Middlebrooks and DJ Burns. Like, they – Kevin Keats cooking this
1: offseason. Chef Boyard Keats for real. My man's been cooking. That he has been,
2: really putting together his his roster. And they also have – a small forward, uh, four-star guy, Dennis Parker Jr., coming in out of Richmond, Virginia. So he's a small forward coming in as well. So uh, a lot a lot of moving parts here, here for NC State. But again, Trey Parker not decommitting, just reclassifying a difference between the two. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this.
1: He's a machine!
2: Carolina Hurricanes President General Manager Don Waddell joined us earlier in the show this afternoon. If you missed the conversation, it's on the Best of 99.9 The Fan Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. You asked him, Chris, hey, this upcoming offseason, we know that, for example, goaltending, both both guys, Freddie and Ranta, are free agents. Jesper Faust, free agent. Other guys, are Shane Gossespierre, free agent. Are we looking at a couple new faces? Chris, you asked him, a couple new faces? Or is it maybe guys like five or six new guys? And this is his answer.
0: Yeah, I don't know what the
2: exact number is, but I think you're you're probably pretty close to it. You know, we got some spots that we know we want
1: to uh... – uh, upgrade on uh, for sure and you know a little bit dependent on our decisions what we do with our goaltending you know we have uh, both guys are unrestricted, also uh, Ronta and Anderson so you know it, it could be probably
2: as little as four and it could be as many as seven I guess uh, just looking at the numbers from that standpoint.
1: You got to think that, yeah. as far as goaltending is concerned, that at least one of Freddie Anderson and Antti Ranta is going to come back, and you slide in Piotr Kachekov, who can be there, um, you know, as the backup. One thing Waddell did say in his exit interviews
2: a couple weeks ago was that they still want to have a third goalie that is capable of playing, because we saw this past season when Ranta and/or Freddie happen. was hurt. Kochekov was hot, especially in the month of yeah. December. Was absolutely hot. So you need to have a third capable goaltender.
1: So there's a chance that maybe all three, all three of those guys are back, or maybe just one maybe. between uh, Antti Rantanen and, and Freddie Anderson. So could be neither. Could be neither. Could right. Be neither. And so that could be some of the new faces. And then you know he also talked about trades. Well, what are you trading? You're not just trading assets. You're probably trading players. Mm-hmm. So. Um, there is a chance that you know this roster. I wouldn't say looks completely different. You're going to see a lot of the same uh, of, of your core, some of your same base. There might be some players that are fan favorites that may not be here next year because the Hurricanes may feel feel like they've found a better option uh, on the market.
2: He did also talk about the need to sign Andre Svechnikov. I'm not Andre Svechnikov. Sebastian Ajo to a long-term contract because you know they they have seven forwards. And a few defensemen that are in their last year of their contracts this upcoming season. Now, some guys are restricted free agents after this year. Seth Jarvis, Jack Drury, those guys are finishing the rookie-level contracts. Martin Natchez is still a restricted free agent uh, after this upcoming season. But signing guys like Sebastian Ajo is a priority. This is an opportunity for Carolina this offseason to take advantage of a salary cap that's only going up by a million bucks. They have $27 million or so in cap space roughly themselves for this upcoming season, Chris. You can go after teams like the Vancouver Canucks who are actually projected to be over the salary cap. You can go get some of their top guys and also be able to buy them low. Tampa Bay Lightning, also right there, press up against the salary cap. And also the Tampa Bay Lightning only have a 6 and two seventh round picks this upcoming season and they have no first round picks next season or the wow. next so they've completely mortgaged their future in terms of draft assets. Yeah. Maybe you can go poach a player off them. Oh. You might have to give up an asset for that. But could you go after one of those guys? I don't know if they're going to give up a guy like Nikita Kucherov, probably not. But there could be guys to be had that off these some of these teams that have that are in dire cap situations. So you might be able to take advantage of that. You can buy low on some of these guys. So it's an opportunity for Carolina to really take advantage things of this opportunity. Things
1: that make you go, hmm, let's quit that. Let's hit this. What's going on, brother? Duke is Duke Baseball. They're in the Super Regionals. Uh, they are moving on next week. We'll be in Charlottesville taking on uh, the Virginia Cavaliers that next they are. weekend. They
2: beat, they beat Virginia two out of three games up in Charlottesville this season.
1: Absolutely they did. And one of the amazing things from this past weekend in the Regionals in Conway, South Carolina, is that MJ Metz, their grad student, Hit four home runs over the weekend. He had three in one game. On a torn ACL. Four home runs on a torn ACL. Here's MJ Metz talking about his reaction to his three home run game back in that regional.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was nuts. I didn't even look at my phone. I remember coming out of media and Aaron looking at me and being like, dude, you're going viral. I'm like. I, I, it, was, it was over my head, so I mean, I've had a ton of people reach out. It, it's been awesome. Uh, couldn't have asked for all this attention, so it, it's it's been cool. But obviously, still focused on the task at hand.
2: And then on Monday, in that champion, in that game to win the regional against Coastal Carolina, home run in the first inning, bottom of the first, set the tone for the rest of the day.
1: That's and it's amazing that he's been able to do that. And one of the things that's interesting about Duke is that they are the ACC team that's had some of the most success, you would say, over the last five years because yep. they've made it to the Super Regional round more than any other ACC team uh, since 2018. Uh, But MJ Mets specifically, though, um, we don't know what's going to happen with him when it comes down to the draft. I would assume he's made himself some money and probably raised his draft stock when you have somebody who can hit like that on a bad knee. Maybe he could do a lot more for you. Let's quit that. Let's hit this. PGA
2: tour live golf DP World Tour they announced their merger unification yesterday Chris and I said this about Jay Monahan the commissioner of the PGA tour who a year ago was talking about how players that left the PGA tour to go to live golf about you know are you have you ever had to apologize for being part of the PGA tour talking in the sense of hey you know what Saudi Arabia backing the 9-11 attacks, and thinking about, hey, the victims, like you're you're basically taking money from them. That that Saudi money isn't already in other places. But nevertheless, that's something that he said. And then all of a sudden, a year later, yeah, we'll take the live money. Yeah. They're like, yeah, hypocrite. And you know what? They had a players meeting yesterday at the Canadian Open. Canadian Open coming up this week on the PGA Tour. They had a players meeting, Jay Monaghan there. And you know, apparently a lot of players called him, straight up said, Dude, you're a hypocrite and Like, you're straight up a hypocrite And you know what?
1: He is And rightfully so Because that also just kind of plays into other themes In the United States of America, right? Like it's all about the Benjamins, for, man For a long time We have shown as a country That corporations and money Is way more important than the person Yeah People have been politicized Which means they have been uh, Basically relegated to just objects In a political game Since the inception of this country No, Chris, it hasn't been like that No, yes, it has yeah. I am a descendant of people who are enslaved. That was a political thing. Even slavery ending was all politics. Yeah. Why it ended, how it ended, everything like that. And there's other people now who are being politicized because of their sexual orientation because of uh, their the, the gender that they feel like they want to express for themselves uh, because of their race because of their religion and we are all here mixed up amongst each other having a hard time dealing with each other now while other places who have shown us in the past that they will try to take down the United States of America are moving more and more money in. Or maybe even there's other places that are starting online campaigns that are dividing us even more. Yeah. Right? United States of America is not going to ever lose a war when it comes down to, like, actually fighting a physical war, like, with bombs and everything. Mm-hmm. We're losing the war when it comes down to putting our people first. And if we ever go down as a country, this is why. We always hear about
2: loyalty in sports, right? We like, we want our commits for our colleges. We want to recruit, you know, as fans and as people. We want them to be loyal to their their commitment, right? We want to, we always hear about loyalty to your to your your employer, loyalty, you know, to if you're a, a player in in a pro sport, loyal to the franchise, maybe that drafted you, maybe we take that quote unquote home team discount or whatever it is. It's a two-way street. Yeah. You want to be loyal to you? You got to be loyal to me. And for PGA Tour players who were loyal to the PGA, how how are you feeling about loyalty right now? Like, hey, I was loyal to, to this tour and this brand of golf, and you went and do this behind our backs? Cool. I see how it is. Now, there are local ties here when it comes to this. Like, For example, the Wyndham Championship, which is played out in Greensboro. It's a PGA Tour event played right here. Heck, there was a Corn Ferry Tour event, which is one of the, the, the more developmental tours of the PGA. UNC Health Championship just, just, just last weekend. Right here at Raleigh Country Club. It was just right here in Raleigh. So there are PGA Tour events that take place here in the state of North Carolina. Mark Brazel of the Wyndham Championship joined Adam Gold on the Adam Gold Show earlier today. You can hear that full conversation on the Best of Adam Gold Show podcast. He shared his initial reaction on the merger of PGA and Liv.
1: I, I guess I've been kind of hopeful that they've been uh, – trying to work something out, but I did not see this coming.
0: Why were you hopeful that they were trying to work something out? I'm just curious.
1: Just because I felt like, I thought, I felt like the negative energy was hurting golf. Okay. And I felt like it was kind of a, even though the, the PGA tour is the, the bigger entity, I felt like um, it was just a war that really didn't need to be fought all right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. Tell him to bring me my money. Yeah! You know who's saying apropos, that? Apropos. Apropos. Yeah. You know who's saying that, though? Lionel Messi. Well, you know, he's, he's passing on the money, though, in a way. To an extent. Lionel Messi could have gone to the Saudi League and could have played there. He could have had the uh, uh, the crazy, what's Karim Benzema. Uh, he had the three-year, $643 million deal yeah, he just signed. Yeah, the Frenchman. Signed, but instead, Lionel Messi, instead of signing something that would have been more than that, of course, he's like, no, I'm coming to the United States of America, home. Yeah. I'm coming to MLS. I'm coming to Inter-Miami. And that's where he's decided to play, which that's going to be a huge boost for MLS. And, hey, we don't know how that could impact MLS and so maybe bring it up a notch. Well, I can tell you this, Inter-Miami inter- – Set to play
2: against Charlotte FC on October 7th. Ticket price is already skyrocketing. <laughs>
1: oh, for that game. Of course.
2: Already skyrocketing. It's going to cost fans about 250 bucks per ticket to see Miami at Soldier Field just on October 4th in Chicago. But yeah, just wait. Just wait until things start cooking up for Charlotte FC taking on Inter-Miami. So yeah, ticket prices. is... Already skyrocketing
1: for those games. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. It's a new day. Yes, it is. It's a new day for the coaching staff over the Carolina Panthers, of oh, course. is it? And somebody who's calling that that out is Tommy Trimble. Now, earlier today in an article from Mike K of the Charlotte Observer, mm-hmm. he had this quote from tight end Tommy Trimble of the Carolina Panthers saying, quote, this is really the first time that we've really been coached up receiving-wise other than us trying to figure it out on our own. Which, Dennis, I was saying to you a couple days ago that maybe the Carolina Panthers don't need to go after D-Hop because they need to figure out DeAndre Hopkins, who's a free agent right now, because they need to figure out what they have on their roster because you can't really get a feel for it, right? Tommy Trimble admitting right here his first two years in the league under Matt Rule, he was never really taught how to be a great receiving tight end. So now he's being taught that. Now he also has Hayden Hurst in an offense that's going to use the tight end and a quarterback that is going to use the tight end. And maybe also some of the other receivers like Terrace Marshall Jr., LaVisca, Chenault, and oh, yeah, the guys they brought in, Jonathan Mingo, DJ Chark, and Adam Thielen. You might have a better receiving situation than what you anticipate because simply of the coaching and the quarterback that's with the Carolina Panthers right now.
2: Okay, so you're confirming the thing that we already knew, that Matt Rule sucks.
1: Of course. Yeah. So that's what what we're confirming. as time goes along, we're finding out more and more reasons why he does. Yeah. And they're not even – they weren't even teaching their tight ends how to be great receiving tight ends. They weren't even trying to do it. Hey, just block fours.
2: Maybe. Maybe that's what it was. And, yeah, so we already know that Matt Rule stunk as a head coach. Now, okay, you're being taught how to do things apparently the right way now, which I – by all accounts, we've talked about how the staff over there in Charlotte with the Carolina Panthers has assembled a pretty strong staff there. Now, the talent of the players, now it's on you. Go show it. Okay, you're in a bad situation beforehand
1: with Matt Rule. Now apparently you're in a good situation. Go prove it. Now it's on you as a player. Go prove it. And Tommy Trimble showed when he was at Notre Dame mm-hmm. that he could be a good blocker and he also could be a good uh, pass catcher as well. All right. So you might see him take a step up this year. We just might. We just might. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this.
2: Speaking of professionals, Derek Whitehead in the NBA draft. It's two weeks from tomorrow. We're literally 15 days away from the NBA draft. And your birthday. It is June 22nd. It is my birthday. So go celebrate by watching the NBA draft. Derek Whitehead. A second offseason surgery now on his foot he had a surgery before this past season uh, at duke so he's had three surgeries and essentially in a calendar year he's had three surgeries on his foot and i'm wondering chris how much this is going to impact his draft stock because a lot of people actually were projecting him to be mid first round pick maybe a late lottery pick but does he slide late down in the first round hello charlotte hornets number 27 Possibly, but but here's the mm-hmm. thing,
1: though. Um, he came into that. You mentioned it came into the year injured, and people wondered what he would be in college because in high school, he was an, he was an athlete. He was a slasher, and mm-hmm. you thought you were going to see that at Duke, but because of the injury, you didn't. He actually became the best three point shooter on the team, shooting it at over forty percent. So he's shown the ability to uh, grow his game uh, to where he needed it to go. So how how will his evaluation be? With the NBA, I had a chance to speak with Chris Patola from ESPN, who's a college basketball analyst, on how NBA teams will have to evaluate Derek Whitehead for the long term.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting question. You know, I I think what the way that Derek Whitehead translates and the way that Derek Whitehead will ultimately have to be used, I I think a very good comp or translation would be some of these guys that were playing for the Heat or are playing for the Heat. In terms of, you know, the Caleb Martins, the Gabe Vincents, like these three and D guys that have become very in vogue in the NBA. The problem is when you look at a lot of those guys now, Chris, they are older dudes. And I think maturity helps a player embrace some of the things that Derek Whitehead is going to have to be good at. He's going to have to spend a lot of time in the gym, again, working and drilling his perimeter shot. He's going to have to become much more efficient with the ball. There were times this year at Duke when he caught the ball and he put it on the floor There was a lot of dribbling to get to what he needed to do you're not going to be able to do that at the nba level
1: so one of the players that he did a comp for caleb martin from winston-salem 27 years old plays for the miami heat Heat, who will be playing tonight gabe vincent who's 26 year old also plays for the miami heat these guys are just starting to come into their own in the nba 26 and 27 dreek whitehead is 19. Right. Yeah. So we'll have to see what happens with him over the next seven to eight years, how he'll develop or if he can develop a lot sooner than that. So we can find himself in a rotation in the NBA. No. All right. We always love it when we have to when we bring in pro wrestling to our world. Of events. And of course, when it has something to do with North Carolina, we absolutely love it. And speaking to us right now today from the WWE, from the OC, uh, one of the best uh, tag team wrestlers in the world right now, Mr. Carl Anderson. And right there, our listeners can't see it, but right there you have a hat on with the state of North Carolina basketball right there. I looked on Wikipedia. It tells me you're from Asheville. You went to Mars Hill. Uh, what What is your connection to North Carolina and how deep are your roots here? Uh, in
0: this Appreciate state? it. I just I just I just bought this hat like I was in Asheville seeing my dad like, I don't know, let's just say a month ago. And I didn't, and I'm doing some. I was, I've been doing some media today for a bunch of different states. And I didn't think anything about what I was wearing, <laughs> but I'm wearing my North Carolina. And I didn't even think about it. So uh, I'm always repping North Carolina. Yeah. So I I grew up there. My whole, I mean, I went to I went to AC Reynolds High School in, in oh, Asheville. Okay. Yeah, and then I, I went to Morris Hill for two years. I played baseball at Morris Hill College, and uh, but after my second year, I. I left school and I moved to Cincinnati when I watched that uh, true life. I want to be a pro wrestler hit MTV. Mm. I I had, I couldn't take it. I was too, I was just obsessed with what I was watching on television. And and then I didn't realize there was, you know, how many wrestling schools were around because there weren't that many back then. I mean, there might've been, but it wasn't as accessible. And so I dropped everything and moved to Cincinnati and just started, started here we are now, 20, 20 some years later, man.
1: So what's this Minnesota mess that it has on Wikipedia? This, yeah. It says like you were born there and you moved to Minnesota later on.
0: I don't know. I don't know what that is. Because I, I <laughs> when when I moved to L.A., I, even when you said that, I was a little confused. But then I, it, it, I'm reminded now of it. But when I went to Los Angeles, they gave me the name of Carl Anderson, which was fine. I you know I, at a certain point in your career, you don't you just listen and you do what you're told. They gave me the name Carl Anderson and they told me I was from Pipestone, Minnesota. I said, Great. Anyways, <laughs> where 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 am I wrestling? And so I don't I don't yeah. know where I don't and I that 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 didn't last long. It was just a couple of I think it might have been a year or two, but for some reason it might have stuck, but yeah. Okay. It's not real. That's not real. Right.
2: That's fair <laughs> enough. All right. So we have SmackDown live at PNC Arena coming up in July, July fourteenth. Tickets are still on sale, so make sure you go out and get your tickets now. Yes. So you being from the state of North Carolina Pro wrestling has such a a deep, rich history in Mm -hmm. this state. What does wrestling to you in the state of North Carolina mean?
0: Yeah, no. So, dude, when I first watched, when I was five years old, I saw Ric Flair on TV, and I I lost my mind, you know? And so it was like Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen and Dusty Mm -hmm. Rhodes and the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express and Sting and uh, I mean just the list goes on and on. It. I mean, I watched, I saw Terry Funk versus Ric Flair at the Asheville Civic Center when I was like six or seven years old. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only it's the, it's the only thing that I ever. I, I grew up just obsessed with it, and so any chance I get to come back and especially work in and wrestle in in North Carolina, I mean, it's just there's there's nothing cooler, and and to be able to come home and do that, it's. I mean, I like any chance you get a, that you get to go see live wrestling as well, especially mm-hmm. WWE, you know, SmackDown or, or raw or a live event. It just, you're going to leave happy.
1: You, you mentioned uh, the Asheville civic center. I think when people think of the North Carolina and like some of those old school venues, they think of Greensboro Coliseum, they go Charlotte Coliseum, Dorton arena, mm-hmm. those types of places. But Asheville civic centers had a lot of big time wrestling back in the day. I remember being a kid, Watching, uh, I think Super Brawl '93. I think I was seven yeah. years old, and it was at Asheville Civic Center. I was wanting so bad to be there. Uh, tell us a little bit more about your experience watching uh, wrestling there at Asheville Civic Center, and is some of the some of how it, um, you know, just really inspired you to just go home and, and really figure out what you wanted to do uh, as a kid. How were you wrestling around with your your friends after coming from uh, the Asheville Civic Center?
0: You know, I, I'm certain if I i know i'm right actually i think it they were they were doing the clash of the champions on thursdays and it was always from asheville north carolina mm-hmm. it might have been you know that was years and years ago but i remember watching dude they it was rick flair as the as the big gold world heavyweight champion versus nikita koloff and it was just a house show live event and nikita koloff like stole rick flair's title or he took it and everyone's just going nuts and then on tv the next you know a couple days later rick flair still had his title and i just i couldn't understand how he got it back i mean just <laughs> i was just blown away by this by the, the theatrics of what i was watching um you know i grew up with my i have a little brother and that's all we ever did my brother would do kurt Henning the perfect plex on the bed with yeah. uh it was yeah. before wrestling buddies even we would use stuffed animals and then when the wrestling buddies came out it might have been just a little too old to do it then but it was uh like I told you, like I said I'd be outside wrestling with my friends. We'd, we would, we would practice the demolition backbreaker and elbow on you know <laughs> my little brother and his friends, and you know safely to do it safely now because I'm not sure how safely it was. Then. <laughs> <laughs> probably wasn't. No, probably wasn't. It probably wasn't. But but honestly, it was just it was the first thing that captivated me more than uh, since from the second I watched it, more than anything I'd ever seen.
2: Carl Anderson joining us here on the Heastor Automotive Group Hotline alongside Chris Lee, Dennis Cox. Here with you. All right, you you're wearing the, the the North Carolina hat with the basketball built inside the 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 outline of the state. You you a Carolina fan? You an NC State fan? Where where, where are your allegiances here in the state of North Carolina?
0: So I so I, I'll say this. I grew up. I grew up, and this this either gets a it's either gets a, a really great reaction or a bad one. But I grew up a huge, a huge Duke basketball fan. Oh, oh okay, all right. Now, and I, and I, you're
1: about to be a heel right now. Yeah, <laughs> but, you're, I, but it's not, not a like you're heel. Not, not, a like, heel. not a Tar Heel. <laughs> Just I figured, a heel.
0: I, I figured that. What uh. <laughs> But you know, I, but since the, as the years have gone on, I've almost I don't almost don't really watch college basketball as much anymore with the way mm-hmm. nobody comes around. So I don't I don't get I don't get into the rivalry as much as I used to. But growing up, man, it was Christian Leitner and Bobby Hurley yeah. and Thomas Hill and Grant Hill and Brian Davis. I mean, that's all I thought about was the Duke, Duke the Duke boys back in the day.
1: Now, right now, uh, you and um, and your partner Gallows, you guys are with Mee Chen right now, and uh, you guys have a, a nice thing going. on. Of course, AJ Styles and um you know coming with smackdown what are you excited about with this iteration of uh your your time in wwe and and what do you guys have left to accomplish uh in the wwe
0: yeah no so yeah we, we left wwe for a couple of years and mm-hmm. like it just felt like the timing was just perfect like we were, a couple of our contracts that we had ended at the exact time um that we were available we were available at the right the same exact time wwe wanted us to come back and so like kind of it all worked out and it just feels like the place that we're supposed to be right now and you know we still have we still have a lot to accomplish like you know aj's still the best wrestler in the world you know gallows and i still want to show that we can you know get in there with guys like the usos and sammy and kevin and, and and have these big tag matches it's just kind of sitting back now and waiting on the right time and just timing for everything but uh there's still there's still a lot left in the tank and we're just uh pumped up to pumped up to be back you know we we're excited to come back last october and and re-debut at the barclay center in mm-hmm. the way we did which was awesome and uh it's just it's good to be back on the road with with wwe and doing what we're doing
2: so Again, coming to PNC Arena, that show is live. SmackDown Live, July Fourteenth, right here in Raleigh at PNC Arena. When people do come to a live wrestling show, they might be a casual fan; they may not watch on television, but when they come to a live wrestling show. What can they expect?
0: Yeah, there's nothing better. There's 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 nothing better in in my, in my opinion. My mom or dad would take me to baseball games. They took me to Braves games a lot growing up, and. It was just, and it's not saying anything bad about baseball because I love baseball, but that, it, there's nothing like going to a live, to a live professional wrestling show or a live sports entertainment show or a live WWE show, hearing Roman Reigns' music hit or hearing AJ Styles' music hit or hearing our music, The OC hit, and then seeing the pyro fly in the air and seeing kids be scared by the pyro and seeing people just cheering and booing and the fun that they're having. There's there's nothing like a WWE live event. There's just nothing like it. And I mean, there's nothing that compares to it. If you ask me. All right.
1: I want to ask you this. We literally just found this out Mm -hmm. as we're doing this interview. And uh, it was uh, tweeted by um, his uh, account. The iron Sheik apparently has passed away. Um, Oh, wow. I just found it like his account just tweeted it. Um, And then also other wrestling organizations uh, have tweeted it out, sending their condolences. So right now for me, it's kind of hard to wrap my brain around it. I remember growing up watching him wrestle, you know, hating him going against Hulk Hogan cause I was a huge Hogan. Yeah, of fan. Course. Um, and I'm sorry that it had to happen this way, but just really quick, since it's kind of happened while we're talking, what are your initial uh, thoughts and remembrances of him and his career? And have you had any, uh, interactions with him in person?
0: Yeah, I've had interactions. He's, I been, mean, you know, rest in peace. He's a legend, hundred percent legend. Um, paved the way for guys like me to do what I, what I get to do. I mean, you know, Hulk Hogan versus the Iron Sheik's a big w is just a, a thing of my childhood. Um, sad news. It's that's, it sucks, man.
2: Yeah. Damn. It's uh, yeah. So we're, we're literally just finding this out right now. So I know yeah. it's tough to put you on the spot, but you know, we just want to get your reaction. Yeah. No, he's that.
0: a, yeah, he's a legend. He's an absolute legend oh, yeah. that, that paved the way for all of us to be able to do what we can do. And, uh, I think his I think his legacy lives on and speaks for itself as one of the greatest to ever do it.
2: Yeah, definitely is. And he's a pop culture icon, not just a wrestling yeah, icon, but a pop culture dude, icon. Dude, for sure. W- w- WWE Superstar, Carl Anderson, thanks for your time. We'll definitely see you here July 14th in Raleigh at PNC Arena. Get your tickets right so get now. Get your tickets right now. By the way, Chris actually used to be a professional wrestler here nah. in the state of North Carolina. I, I know you never bring that up, but I'm going to bring we that go. up. I want him to have a run-in. If we can set up Chris to have a run in at some point during your match, I want to see it happen. I don't like to Let's bring it up. Get him just, a run in.
1: I used to wrestle at CWF, and uh, a guy by the name of Cameron Grimes used to train me back in the day. Cameron and Grimes. I, I was him. in. I was in the uh, <laughs> training class with No Way Jose, but you know I'm five foot nine and don't have a great body, so it's all good. I, I do radio. You figured
0: it out. <laughs> you figured it out.
1: Carl, thanks for your time. Really do appreciate it.
0: Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it.